favourite bits and we'll look through those. So have we got the video? What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian, and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. Which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, he looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion, and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention. How Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man. Which is why salvation is freely mine, and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it.
Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. So I'm just going to unpack a few of the things in there. So the first one, especially if you've not necessarily been to church or had this idea of what Christianity is, um, it might come, of a, come as a bit of a shock, but the first point, um, which is, what if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? Um, so what, is that on the slides? Thanks. Um, so when we define religion, I think what a lot of us see it as is a moral code, a simple list of things we should do and things we shouldn't uh, that will help us to please God, to be able to get closer to him. Um, but actually, you, and you might think, but God made religion. And actually, no, God made man, and it was man that made religion, um, which was pointed out in the video earlier. Um, so one way that people, or the reason why people have created religion is to try and get to God, to try and earn his love and to be able to get closer to him. So in my eyes, religion is like a bit of a ladder. It's like climbing to the top, trying to do these good things. So if we can pray more and help give money to the poor and drink less and maybe not go around doing various things, actually that will earn us God's love. And I think that's what a lot of people think religion is and what Jesus is about. But it's not true. And yes, those things might be healthy. And yes, those things um, honor God and he loves those things. But actually that's not what will get us closer to God. Um, so I was thinking of it as like an example is like, you know when you used to go to brownies when you were a kid, probably more for the girls, um, and you'd earn those badges and you'd do your first aid and you'd be like, whoop, get it on. And it's like the more things you got, the better you felt, felt you were and you'd go into brownies like with your sash feeling quite proud. And actually I think some people can treat religion like that. They think, oh yes, I've done that. I've ticked that box, been to church three weeks in a row. Yes, done that, said my prayers last night, tick, <laughs> did the various things. And trying to do these things is trying to climb up this ladder to get to God but actually that will never work we will never ever be good enough for God um, so that's why there's faith and this is the, way, the only way that you can get to Jesus um, and to know God our creator is by having a real and genuine relationship with him um, so it's a story I'm sure a lot of you know the story of when Jesus came to the earth and whatnot whether you believe it or not, um, but a, a way I like to describe it, or a st story I had recently, was like, it's like kids playing outside, you've got your nice white, out, white clothes on, whatever, <laughs> white top like this, um, and you're running around outside, playing with the mud, getting dirty, doing whatever you want, all that freedom, and then actually, it comes to the end of the day, and you want, you want to go inside, there's this like, bright, shiny house, and you want to enter, there's a guy on the door and he's saying, you can't come in, you've got all your muddy clothes, you'll get the house dirty. And actually what he says is, the guy on the door's like, I'll take your clothes, I'll take the muddy clothes that you've got and have my clean white clothes. And so you can go into that house and see all that God's got in store for you over there. And that's what by Jesus dying on the cross, uh, he came to do for us so that he could take all the things that, we will, that we've done and that we will do that are wrong and he's taken all of that from us so that we can enter and have that relationship with God. Um, so we don't need to brown the, earn those brownie badges. He's already given us a golden and a white clean sash that we can wear around with knowing Jesus and just having. Um, so that's the basis of, so religion won't get us to God, but actually it's this genuine relationship. And when we know that that's what God did for us and we accept that and choose to live that, that's then when we can build this relationship with God. And that's when we'll see our lives really change. Um, 
So one thing you might think, if it's not earning these badges and doing the right thing, then why don't we just run around, keep doing the wrong things, keep doing things that make us feel good for maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes, but not for the rest of the day. And actually, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking about it, and I was like, it's like a relationship. So if you think of maybe a relationship you treasure um, with someone close to you, for me, I'm going to use my dad, sorry. <laughs> um, but I, like, I love dad so much, when, but when it gets heated in the house and maybe I mess up a little bit, which doesn't all happen often, I hope you know. <laughs> um, but you get things wrong and maybe I'll end up getting annoyed at dad and have a little shout at him and whatnot and storm off up to my room. Um, and actually I sit in there and I think, no, what I did was wrong. I shouldn't have said that to dad. Um, and I'll go back down. Perfect child that I am. <laughs> no, <laughs> jokes, that's not, that's not scripted. Um, <laughs> And I'll go back down and I'll, I'm genuinely sorry and I'll be like, Dad, I'm sorry I've hurt you. I know I've done that wrong and I know it hurts you. And I treasure that relationship with you and value that so much that I want to put that right. And actually I won't do those things again. Or, well, I will over my time because I'm human. We can't get everything right, right? Um, but that's like with Jesus. You try and not do those various things because actually you value the importance he has in your life and that relationship that you have. Um, so that's the first one, yeah. I actually, like, totally believe that... Oh, the words... Are, sorry about that. Look good on the computer screen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, in summary, I really do truly believe he came to abolish religion. And actually, it gets in the way of our actual relationship with Jesus because we fall into this um, sense of security that we can do it ourselves. We can do those things, and the more good things we can do, the better. But actually... That's blocking us having this genuine relationship with Jesus and then allowing those things to flow out of that relationship. Um, so the next point, which hopefully doesn't... Oh, that looks better. Um, is that it's not a museum for the good, but a hospital for the broken. So I think a lot of people that don't go into churches and also sometimes churches get this totally wrong because, again, we're human. Um, and you can... It's, yeah, it's not for doing good things and stuff but it's for meeting with Jesus. And I was thinking about when Jesus came to this earth, who he spent his time with. So if you take time to look and read in the Bible, you'll see that it wasn't the high priest that he was spending his time with. It wasn't all the goody two-shoes, but it was actually the thieves and the prostitutes um, and the tax collectors that he was hanging out with the whole time. Um, and I think this just really says that God doesn't call for the sorted. He doesn't call for the elite and the strong. He calls for the broken, the last, the lost, and the least. He calls for us, each one of us here, as we are. He doesn't want a shiny Laura who gets everything right. He wants me. He knows who I am and what I struggle with and my weaknesses, and that's what he wants. Um, and I was thinking more about this quote, and I was thinking about hospital. So, hang on, try my um, what do we do when we go to hospital? So you actually go there and you might, you might have a bandage covering something up and actually it's probably one of the only places you go and you really, like, you unravel it and you show them what's underneath. You expose yourself, whether it's your weakness or your hurt or your injury. You expose that to the doctor and you talk about it and he might do some prodding and whatnot and ask you questions and quiz you. And that, yeah, that might feel uncomfortable but actually revealing our weakness is then the only way that they can help us once they know all those things. 
And I really think that Jesus wants us to approach church and him like that. Not come thinking, oh, we've got it sorted, mate, we've got this kind of thing, but actually, this is what I struggle with. This is who I am. This is who you made me to be. And yeah, let's journey with that. So I was thinking about it. Why do we struggle so much, to be honest, with our weaknesses? Um, and one thing, one thing that cracked me up when I was going to the hairdressers the other day is when I was preparing for this talk, I was, so there's a few blondes here, you'll get this one. Um, but actually, when you've got really bad roots, you know you need to go to the hairdressers. And you don't wash your hair the day before because you're like, well, they're going to wash it there anyway. So it's a bit greasy, you've got roots, you're not looking great. And you're like, yeah, but that's what they're going to sort it out, right? They're going to sort my hair. And then 10 seconds before you get to the hairdresser, you're like, oh, flip, I look disgusting, a bit dry shampoo. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? And actually, why? Because you're going there to get your hair sorted. So it's funny that suddenly we freak out and try and hide that weakness. Roots are not weakness, don't worry. <laughs> um, and then another thing I was thinking of is a lot of you have probably had job interviews and that dreaded question when they're like, what's your biggest weakness? I'm sure we've all sat there for about 15 minutes trying to figure out how to polish a weakness. <laughs> and one which Jono suggested. <laughs> I'm not sure if you've used this in your interviews before, but people feel intimidated by my greatness. That's a weakness. And the one that I actually used. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> I'm so good at attention to detail that maybe it takes me longer to do some things. <laughs> but I do it on my own time, I promise. Um, so, yeah. We do try and cover up our weaknesses, I think, a lot of the time. And one verse, which is 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, is, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am made strong. So God tells us that his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Uh, God, not, God isn't interested in our perfection. He wants us to be real, humble, and honest. And he wants us to approach, approach him with that attitude. He's tired of our religion, and he's tired of us playing, playing church and coming to Sunday thinking we've got it all. But actually, he wants us to come as we are with those things we struggle with and with our weaknesses. So the third one, and last one, don't worry. Um, see, because religion says... Oh, it's done it again, sorry. <laughs> because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, and Jesus says son. So we're humans, and what we're taught is to earn things. So if you think about growing up at school, we've all been taught, oh, you must work hard to earn the grades, to earn to get into university. Um, and at work, a lot of us, we need to earn that promotion. We need to prove that we're worthy of getting that promotion. So it's quite innate in us to think that we have to do those things to earn something. Um, and as they say, nothing's free in life. But actually, with God, he says, through what he did through Jesus, with the story earlier I told you about the kids playing in the mud, he's saying it's done. He's already done, he's already taken those things that we did wrong. And he died on the cross for us so that it was done, so that we could have that relationship with God and enter that house in those king clothes and see what God has planned for us. Um, so John 10 verse 10 is, I have come that they may have life and live it to the full. And I just think, for me personally as a Christian, I've 
well, I've messed up more than a million times. I know a lot of you know me here very well, so you can vouch for that. Um, but through my relationship with God, I genuinely feel that I've been able to live life to the full. I've had that true sense of knowing someone that loves me no matter what, um, and knowing that the things that I will mess up with again and do wrong, he still loves me. And that's enabled me to live my life to the full. Um, so you might think, cool, that's good for you, but that's not my thing. Um, and I think one thing to think about maybe is the last one that says here is Jesus says son, and what our lives would look like. And what I ask you to do today is to look what your life might be like if you knew God was your father and you were his son. Um, don't worry, girls, that's also the same thing, child of God. <laughs> Can't pray for them. Um, so we would know, if we were, knew we were a child of God, we would know we were uniquely designed for a purpose, that we were perfect in his eyes, that we're never alone. We have a father who tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And out of that would come a true sense of worth. We would have self-confidence because we knew our worth, and we would have purpose, and we would know that he would love us no matter what. Um, and I really feel that, for me, and I know a lot of other Christians as well, knowing this love has enabled, and that unconditional love that comes from God has just filled our lives, but also been able to, like it's affected the relationships around me with various people. So being able to help people and understand people and things they face and actually share that love with them. Um, and I fully believe that because I know my worth and in God, I'm able to do that so much better. Knowing that I'm loved helps me love others. Um, so yeah, that's it. It's quite hard to unpack a lot in a 15-minute talk. So obviously, if you want to talk any of it through or uh, want prayer about anything, just let me know. Um, but I encourage you, yeah, to just look at your life and really think how that would be different if you knew truly that God loved you and how that would flow into the rest of your life. So thank you.